Hello, my friends. This is Bishop Campbell welcoming you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. I hope that you notice, as I always do, that in October there are a wonderful set of saints' days that the Church celebrates. And the saints, I have come to realize, represent particular aspects of our life within the Church and particular virtues that are encouraged in our Christian faith. And for this evening and the uh, next two uh, times I will be with you, I want to speak about uh, those saints, gathering them under three large uh, topics. The first one is the contemplative life. The second, the witness of martyrdom. And the third, the apostolic foundations of our faith. So let me turn first to the contemplative life because it is sometimes misunderstood. For many people, there seems to be an ambiguous relationship between what in the church tradition is called the active life and the passive life. But of course, the passive life is hardly the appropriate term, for the relationship is between the active and the monastic and uh, for women's orders, the enclosed life. But you know, there is no real uh, division or conflict between these two forms of religious life. Each supports one another. And in the contemplative life, we receive in the Church the gifts of dedicated prayer and the experience of the encounter with the living God, which of course is a call to all members of the Church to, in their own particular ways, to live uh, the reality of the power of prayer and the experience of the encounter with the living God. St. Francis de Sales, who is the patron of the Diocese of Columbus, was wonderful in allowing us to see how, in fact, we are all called to those particular gifts of the contemplative life, but each in our own manner, each in our own uh, vocation. And that has made him one of the great spiritual uh, guides within the Catholic Church. So let me begin first with the Feast of St. Therese of the Child Jesus, perhaps known better as St. Therese of Lisieux. Her feast day on October the 1st, is a wonderful opportunity to understand what she later called her little way. There is a, a part of the autobiography of St. Therese that she wrote under the uh, direction of her superior that talks about her desire to understand more fully what her particular vocation was within the, the life. She entered uh, the Carmelites, and there, of course, followed very carefully the Carmelite regimen. But she said, there is something that I feel is my personal call from God. And after considering all sorts of uh, calls, and in fact, one was the call to martyrdom, she decided that 
her vocation was simply to love, and to love as Christ loved. And in fact, she said that vocation is lived out in sometimes the very small aspects of her everyday life. There's a marvelous uh, description of how she used to be so annoyed in the laundry by the sister who was standing next to her clacking her teeth. But she said, this is a wonderful opportunity to express the love for that, that other person. It is interesting that part of her, uh, her prayer was an intense prayer for the missions and for those who are out spreading uh, the word of God in alien lands. And in fact, she now is a patroness of the missions of the church, which she supported by her prayer and which in the contemplative tradition is one of the great supports for the mission of the church and a necessary one. St. Therese lived only until she was 24. She uh, died of tuberculosis. But in that short span, in her call to live that little way, the expressions of life in each of our uh, existences, made a very profound impact when her autobiography was written and translated. And I think that one of the greatest gifts that she offers to the church is that sense of how Jesus Christ is present among the ordinary things of life. And it is something that her namesake, St. Teresa of Calcutta, used to say, that the call to love of God is to do ordinary things with extraordinary love. The Little Way of St. Therese. The second saint is, in fact, one of the predecessors of St. Therese of the Child Jesus, St. Teresa of Jesus, or familiarly known as St. Teresa of Avila, an extraordinary woman who died in the year 1582. She was a very prolific writer of spiritual treatises, expressions of her experiences, and especially her powerful autobiography, in which she describes how from an early time she wanted to create a space where the voice of God could be heard more clearly. She had entered uh, a rather lax Carmelite order. She felt called to reform it, which set her off on her own particular mission to return the Carmelite experience to its origins. She once expressed an experience she had when waiting to uh, meet with an official. She was praying, and all of a sudden she seemed to be transported and transported into a conversation which was so powerful, so beautiful and so enrapturing that she came to realize that she had become a part of the conversation between God the Father and God the Son. The very interior quality of life within the Blessed Trinity. And when that experience passed, she said to herself, 
I will live for no other reality than this, for this is where we ought to be. Her writings on mystical theology are world-famous. She was, unlike St. Therese of Lisieux, quite a traveler. She would travel from place to place, helping to uh, establish re uh, the Reformed Order of the Carmelites. She was a powerful woman and a woman of, of some humor. She used to take some very uh, common uh, experiences from her life and weave them into her uh, experiences of, of mystical life. I remember a, a passage in the autobiography in which she was using a card game as a metaphor for a point she was making in her theology. And suddenly she stopped. She said, why am I playing cards? <laughs> or the famous one when she got tipped out of a, a carriage into the mud and she murmured to herself, if this is uh, what happens to God's friends, no wonder he has so few. <laughs> but that deeply human th life joined to the, the mystical experience and the profound communities that she built made her a, a quite attractive person. In fact, there is uh, now a growing uh, community once again of third-order Carmelites that try to translate the, the power of that interior prayer, the power of that witness, into the everyday lives of their own particular vocations. And thirdly, there is St. Bruno. That title now appears in church documents, but the order he founded did not want the title Saint uh, made for him. He said, if, uh, they asked that if you're going to celebrate his feast day, just call him Bruno. And he became a witness to the solitary life in which the alone, that is the single soul, approaches the alone with a capital A, the encounter with God. Actually, uh, Bruno began his, his life as a well-known uh, intellectual theologian. He had extraordinary talents, as, uh, was well-educated, and many uh, kings, as well as religious leaders, would seek him out for his advice. But at a particular point, he understood that he was missing something in his life. And he wanted to abandon that worldly existence and go into the hermetical life. Of course, uh, the hermetical life is not completely solitary. He established uh, a monastery, and in fact there uh, became the founder of the Carthusians, the very famous uh, monastery in France called the Grand Chartreuse, by a very curious uh, bend of history, that place is known by the fact of the liqueur that they created, and it's chartreuse, although my mother used to refer to it as green death. And in fact, visitors to Grand Chartreuse to this very day mention how when they entered the monastery grounds, they could smell the liqueur. 
and it's a secret kept uh, very close to the, the heart of the Carthusians. But that is the way that they supported themselves. The, the monastery consisted of an oratory and gathered around it individual cells. And the uh, Carthusian monks would observe community at prayer, that is, the, uh, principally morning and evening prayer, and they would uh, eat a meal in common on festival days. But it was a place where one would have that alone to the alone, that experience of study. The Carthusian monks uh, had their labor was generally uh, copying books. But there was a power that emanated from the uh, Grand Chartreuse. And in fact, uh, Bruno, on a very famous uh, occasion, was called to Rome by the Pope who sought his advice and guidance. He couldn't resist. He went to Rome. But after a while, so deeply missed the solitary life that he returned uh, to it in southern Italy, the Pope uh, giving him permission to return to the solitary life, but be close enough when the Pope required his help. And drawing from the uh, deep resources of his uh, hermetical life, Bruno was known to be a good counselor and a good friend, even solitary in his cell. And for these saints who call us to understand more deeply the contemplative life and to esteem it, we give thanks to God and pray him for his grace to pray that deep prayer that brings us always into the presence of our Lord.